listening to podplanet.org. Moby the whale is pretty stout. Moby hums, he don't shout. Moby has a hole on top of his head. Moby don't have to make his own bed. People want to kill the whales. We have to even save their tails. By Victor Tucker, eight years old, February 2007. Treasure Wells was born Vicksburg, Mississippi. When she was two, her father was killed by lightning. She was an only child and at the time of this story, not yet legally an adult. She had few friends and preferred it that way. With high cheekbones, shoulder-length blonde hair and a pale complexion, Treasure had the lean body of a dancer. Despite her robust physicality, she was given to spells of melancholy and consoled herself by nipping at a bottle of the nerve supplement Hatacol. In an earlier, less diversity-obsessed age, Treasure would have been a Brooks Brothers model. Treasure rarely wore makeup, and when she did, it was not apparent how much or where it was applied. Thanks to her mother Annabelle, a mildly disabled seamstress, Treasure wore well-fitting clothes in neutral light colors like navy, white, sand, gray, and jewelry box blue. When it came to shoes, Treasure wore tasseled loafers, treetorns, or crocs. On rainy weekends, she wore ducks. At funerals or weddings, Treasure wore pearls inherited from her Aunt Fontaine, a woman who claimed to be able to see inside animals and diagnose them. Fontaine was blind and Creole. A typical reading went like this. Arthritis. Get his rickets. Dog has cataracts. Aunt Fontaine died in 2019. She had been a heavy drinker and smoker. Last March, Treasure graduated from Warren Central High and got a job as an assistant receptionist at Dainty Bubble Wrap the only bubble wrap maker in Mississippi. Treasure needed the money to pay for art school. As a child, Treasure learned to paint watching public television. They say Treasure may be the next Thomas Cole. Her every landscape was an exquisite study in Hudson River luminism. Her use of light and color, unparalleled. Her art was so beautiful, it triggered the Stendhal syndrome in some viewers, causing them to faint. Working at Dainty Bubble Wrap was the most fun Treasure Wells ever had. The people were great. Take Dainty Bubble Wrap delivery boy, Benoit Dupont. Benoit's story began two decades ago, in an isolated cabin on the bayou. Delivered by midwife, Benoit had never seen a doctor. He had never been vaccinated either. Despite this, Benoit had perfect teeth and a high IQ. He stood 5 foot 10 with 3% body fat and weighed exactly 120 pounds wet. Benoit's skin was magnolia white. 
But it was his eyes that said the most. His eyes were extraordinary. His right eye was sky blue. His left eye was orange. Because he liked the chafing sound they made when he walked, Benoit wore corduroy shorts. He owned several pairs of bletchers. He liked non-iron shirts with the sleeves rolled up and button-down collars. Much to his mom's chagrin, there were always a few buttons missing, and she had no idea how to sew new ones on. Benoit's parents, Faith and Spencer Dupont, were southerners of old French stock. Although they looked like acid-gobbling hippies, demographically, they belonged to what the New York Times called the New South. They described themselves as woke. Since the 2016 presidential election, some days they would stuff little plastic signs that said resist in the meat section, in between the ground beef and the sirloin steaks of the local Kroger grocery store. Benoit's parents belonged to a Vipassana meditation group. They spend weekends chanting and walking in circles. Friday nights after his parents left, Benoit would undress. And put his clothes away carefully. Then he picked out a bandana, inherited from his late Uncle Shaw, and tied it gently around his neck. Uncle Shaw was a real character, a corrupt antique dealer in Biloxi. He knew Lee Harvey Oswald and Len Billings, the latter a fawning chum of John Fitzgerald Kennedy. Uncle Shaw also knew Jack Ruby and Ruby's psychiatrist, Dr. Jolly West. After he finished with the bandana, Benoit splashed on some bay rum cologne, which was a gift from his living uncle, Wilson O'Neill, in Los Angeles. Because he had no close friends and didn't want any, Benoit stayed in his room and surfed the net. Sometimes, Benoit clowned around on his mom's old synthesizer, a Korg Trinity. The synth was a leftover from Bennington College in 95, when his mom played in a goth-punk queer-friendly band called the Children's Choir. Benoit started driving for Dainty Bubble Wrap part-time at 16. Then, after graduating Warren Central High, he took a full-time position. It was his kind of job. Low pressure, good pay, flexible hours. Not only is Vicksburg home to Benoit and Treasure, it's home to Vicksburg Marine Park and Game Farm. A marine park is a magical world. Come on, let's go inside. Stage left are Winky, Sandy, Rudolph, Joey, Candy, and Kobe, known as the Dancing Dolphins of the Bayou. Stage right are Andrew, Angel, Ruby, and Willie, known as the Mississippi Singing Seals. They perform every 90 minutes until sundown. 
course, over here is Dumbo, the magic walrus, who can eat hundreds of oysters in a sitting. And now beneath the banners of red, white, and blue is the star of the show, Moby the Killer Whale. Unfortunately though, over the past couple of months, Moby's refused to perform. Two weeks ago, he stopped eating. Marine biologists think he may have caught a bird flu from a tourist. On Friday, Moby's lifeless body was found at the bottom of the main stage spectacle tank. Minutes later, Dr. Weller, the marine vet, was called. Hoisted from the water by crane, Moby's body was placed on the 25-foot gurney where it sat slowly decomposing beneath the hot Mississippi sun. Walking along the length of the lifeless behemoth, Dr. Weller found no medical anomalies. But opening the whale's mouth and examining its enormous tongue and gleaming white teeth, Weller had seen this kind of thing before. He sat down and from his bag pulled out a blank death certificate. In the cause of death space, he wrote, cardiac arrest, which was his way of saying an animal had died of loneliness. Weller then leaned back in his chair, reached into his pocket, and pulled out a Pall Mall. Around 9.15, Murphy, the park manager, arrived, saw the dead five-ton whale, and said, What's going on here? What's happened to Moby? With his index finger, Dr. Weller motioned Murphy to sit beside him. Murphy pulled up a chair. Weller leaned into Murphy's ear and whispered something. Then Weller handed the death certificate to Murphy, who signed it. Dr. Weller relaxed for a minute, took another drag, let out a sigh, and called the mayor's office on his ladybug. Pittsburgh City Hall, how can I help you? Although they did not know it, at that exact moment, Benoit and Treasure's universe began to unravel. Vicksburg City Hall, all cement, truly ugly, and the very definition of modern architecture. The last time this many folks were in the mayor's office was when the city decided to shutter the old folks' home due to a syphilis outbreak. Around the mahogany conference table were Mayor Palamountain, his wife Regret Duval, Governor Dennis, who was in a mobility scooter, Dr. Weller, Murphy, and from the Vicksburg Business Improvement Association, gas station owner Cosmo Delano. Pointing at a crumbled spreadsheet, Cosmo Delano said, Here, gentlemen, are the facts. Moby brought in a lot of money. I advocate a state funeral with a marching band, a 21-gun salute, stars and stripes, free candy corn, cotton candy, ice cream, the whole nine yards. Upon hearing the word state funeral, the corpulent governor, who, according to Rolling Stone, was under investigation for collusion with the Crimean oligarchy, swiveled his mobility scooter into the hall outside the mayor's inner chamber. When he returned, Governor Dennis announced that one of the cable news networks agreed to televise the funeral if Vicksburg could stage a marine burial at sea. Of course, said the mayor, we do that every day. 
Then the mayor's wife, the hard-drinking Regret Duval, spoke up. Looking at every man in the room, she stood up and said, Doesn't Moby need a casket or a coffin or a box or something? After the meeting, a press release was sent out. You're listening to 660 News Talk Radio, first in Mississippi news and talk. This just in, Moby the beloved whale at Vicksburg Marine Park and Game Farm has died. We repeat, Moby the killer whale is dead. State funeral to follow. Benoit, having grown up with Moby since he was 14, was visibly shaken. Treasure, who did a better job of compartmentalizing her feelings, put her arm over Benoit's bony shoulder to console him. Treasure answered the phone and covered the mouthpiece. It was Mr. Ames, the owner of Dainty Bubble Wrap. Ames wanted to see Benoit and Treasure in his office immediately. Come, said Mr. Ames. Scratching his balding head, Ames said, I just spoke with the mayor. They're having a state funeral for the whale, and he needs us to deliver 20,000 feet of bubble wrap to Vicksburg Marine Park right now. They're going to wrap the whale in it, and there's something else. They're going to cover Moby in the USA flag, Ames said and continued. The flag is worth a quarter of a million dollars. It can't be damaged, which is why they need a protective blanket of dainty bubble wrap. They'll bubble wrap the whale and then put the flag on top after the funeral. They're sending Moby down the Mississippi River on a barge. Then he's going to be buried at sea in the Gulf of Mexico. And it's all going to be on TV. Mr. Ames sat down and typed out. Some kind of memo. You said there was something else? Asked Benoit. Yes, there is more, replied Ames, as he handed the freshly typed memo to Treasure. I need you kids to drive to the Mississippi Delta tomorrow to take pictures of Moby's burial at sea. I can use those pictures on the Dainty Bubble website or on memorial billboards, Christmas cards, and brochures or what have you. Moby's funeral is a dynamite promotional opportunity for Dainty Bubble. Outside in the parking lot, Benoit's co-workers were loading his truck with extra-strength bubble wrap. When the truck was loaded, Benoit and Treasure drove to Vicksburg Marine Park and Game Farm. We'll be back on Pod Planet after this break. This is Cajun Pete, no ifs, no buts. It's stitchers for them burns and cuts. When my kids, they burn or cut themselves, I'll keep Dr. Titchener's around. Cause it's the best old antiseptics this Cajun never found. It's the best old antiseptics anybody ever found. That good old Dr. Titchener's best antiseptics in town. Listen, my friend, I don't know about you, but me, I got 13 kids, and every day two or three is caught up burn himself. So what I do? I rub on Dr. Titchener's the same way my grandma was doing his kids. The same Dr. Titchener's my grandpa was used on her kid. <laughs> Man, that Dr. Titchener's he's been around a long time, him. And me, I always make sure I got plenty Dr. Titchener's all the time. Titchener's antiseptics is the best to have around. That good old Dr. Titchener's best antiseptics in town. 
Mothers, wake up to the truth about your daughter or son. Read the recent startling article in the Reader's Digest about teenagers' harmful eating habits. Learn how our nation's teenagers are actually starving for vitamins and minerals needed for growth, to build strong bones and muscles, to help them become healthy adults. This is due to their eating the wrong kind of foods. So mother, if your son or daughter is cross, lacks energy and pep, always tired due to vitamin and mineral deficiencies, it's time you checked his or her eating habits. You may find that your own child is a diet delinquent. So see that your teenager is assured of an adequate daily supply of vitamins B1, B2, niacin, iron, and other essential minerals. You can do this easily by giving new and rich Hadacol, the famous dietary supplement. Yes, keep Hadacol on the dining table so every member of your family, grown-ups as well as youngsters, can reach for it daily. Famous liquid Hadacol or the new easy-to-carry, easy-to-take Hadacol capsules. Over 45 million bottles sold. Why let any member of your family become a diet delinquent? Get new and rich Hadacol today. As they pulled into the marine park, Treasure looked at the chaotic scene and said, at the subatomic level, whatever is going on here is so weird that even the people who understand it would have to admit they don't fully understand it. Benoit tipped his head, sucked his bony knuckle, and stared out the windshield at the ballet animating before him. Docked on the Mississippi River were three tugboats and a 50-foot barge with built-in crane. Tethered to the crane by his tail and dangling in the air like a piñata was the lifeless Moby. Bubbly mounds of pink and blue viscera drooled from his mouth onto the asphalt below. After Benoit parked, a troop of Coast Guardsmen removed bubble wrap. The plastic wrap was carefully unrolled lengthwise beneath the beast. When enough bubble wrap was laid out, the crane was activated and Moby was lowered on it. Then, as though he were a slice of tuna and the bubble wrap a sheet of seaweed, Moby was rolled up like a piece of maki sushi. Once secured in a cocoon of protective bubble wrap, the Coast Guard carefully rolled the five-ton sea cow onto the motorized dolly, and the dolly was carefully wheeled down an enormous plank onto the barge. On the barge, the Coast Guardsmen unfurled the U.S. flag, placed it exactingly over Moby's body, then tied any excess material to the gunnels on the side. At the end of the day, Benoit took Treasure Wells home and then met his folks for dinner at Gumbo Pot Restaurant. Why Gumbo Pot? Because everybody loved Gumbo Pot's complimentary, artery-hardening, all-you-can-eat hush puppy platter. Next morning, Benoit woke up at 10.30, showered, and put on an old Oxford cloth shirt missing three buttons and an old pair of corduroy shorts that hung perilously on his gaunt hips. Benoit wore a black and red bandana from his collection of nearly 40. Once dressed, he went to fetch Treasure Wells. Sitting on the steps of her mother's place, wearing paint-splattered overalls, pink and green crocs, and wearing a string of pearls, Treasure waved at Benoit when he arrived. She noticed Benoit's bandana. Benoit saw Treasure's pearls, but neither commented. Benoit stepped on the gas, and off they went. And by the way, it's not that Treasure Wells and Benoit Dupont forgot to wear seatbelts. No one in Vicksburg wore seatbelts. 
not never. When you leave Vicksburg, there are billboards that thank you for visiting Vicksburg Marine Park and Game Farm. Every billboard featured a highly retouched image of Moby and his friends, the dancing dolphins, the singing seals, and Dumbo the walrus. You have to admit, at his peak, Moby was one hell of a whale. The billboard said things like, Have a whale of a time. Come back soon, y'all. Or if the country were at war, as we usually are, there would be images of Moby in a helmet holding an AR-15, or a picture of Moby standing beneath an oak tree with a yellow ribbon tied around its trunk. On the war-themed billboards, the headline would say, God bless our troops. Come back soon, y'all. As they drove by a war-themed billboard, Benoit flared his nostrils and took a deep breath. Treasure saw a small tear well up in his blue eye and watched as it rolled down his face into his lap. Treasure said, Did I ever tell you about my Aunt Fontaine? She was an animal psychic. She was blind and Creole, too. Treasure looked at her hands and fingernails and continued. So, okay, I don't know how much of a blood relative she was, but people from far and wide would bring their pets and livestock to Aunt Fontaine. They say she could see inside the animal and tell what was ailing it. I've never heard of Aunt Fontaine, said Benoit. Some days, said Treasure, Aunt Fontaine would recommend the animals drink Hatacol. But more often than not, she warned the owners to prepare for a terrible loss and she recommended the owners drink Hatacol instead. Benoit reached into the cooler in the back seat and grabbed a Barks. She passed away recently, said Treasure with a sad voice. But I remember everything she said. Aunt Fontaine said, Feeling sad, shocked, or lonely is a normal reaction to the loss of a beloved animal. Exhibiting these feelings doesn't mean you are weak or your feelings are somehow misplaced. It just means you're sad. Like a small child does when marginally hurt, Benoit sniffled. Benoit clicked on the car radio and searched for signs of Neil Young. But Young was out for the day. After their chat about dead pets, Treasure and Benoit didn't speak for nearly ten minutes. But they weren't bothered by silence. Each had been an only child. Meanwhile, back at Vicksburg Marine Park and Game Farm, mourners and sightseers shuffled in. Some went right to their seats. Others went to the concession to load up on junk. Whatever you were doing, you couldn't help but look at Moby, hidden motionless beneath the U.S. flag on the barge. The service began. Someone read eulogies. It was ten minutes of piffle. As a sedative, taps was played, followed by a 21-gun salute. After the guns, the air went silent. The tugboat started up and pushed the barge with Moby down the Mississippi River. Within two minutes, everyone filed out of Vicksburg Marine Park and Game Farm. All you could hear were the occasional dolphin and water in the spectacle tank gurgling through the filter system. The boat crew stopped, mounted the barge, and carefully removed the U.S. flag. Then it was full speed ahead to the Mississippi Delta and the Gulf of Mexico. 
Venice, Louisiana, population 202, was the last town on the way to the Mississippi Delta, where the fresh water of the river meets the salt water of the Gulf of Mexico. After Bayou Club and Change's restaurant, the biggest commercial outfit in Venice is LZ's True Value Hardware Store. Arriving at 5 p.m., about a half hour ahead of the funeral flotilla, Benoit and Treasure arrived and parked at Elsie's. Near the store entrance, Treasure and Benoit came upon a tidal wave of 21st century occultism. Two very plump, dirty, teenage girls sitting in electric scooters, wearing matching Che Guevara t-shirts, and smoking Pall Malls. One girl had stringy pink hair, and the other, Johnny Rotten Blue. Obviously, they imagined themselves rebels. Picking up the camera bag, Benoit looked at the girls and said to Treasure, Socialists don't care about the poor. They just hate the rich. That's Orwell, said Treasure. The estuary was due east. Treasure and Benoit hiked through some wild grass and a briar patch. There were a lot of bugs. As they crossed the road, Treasure saw something awful. A dead palmetto bug as big as a small poodle. Her heart fluttered and Benoit winced. Clumsily, she kicked it into the grass, but not before stepping on it by mistake. When Treasure looked up, the glory of the Mississippi was in full force. At once, a trillion gallons of water roared into the gulf. Treasure was first to spot the fleet. She saw Moby and said, I see death from here. Hallelujah. I didn't know you were so poetic, said Benoit. A TV news drone appeared and circled the sky. At the river's edge was a two-story lighthouse. Benoit climbed the stairs about halfway up, getting a good view of Moby and the barge as they came down the river. Once the fleet reached the estuary, the boats powered down. The crane switched on, and Moby was lifted from the barge by the tail and slowly lowered into the warm waters of the Gulf of Mexico. Once in the sea, he bobbed gently on the surface, his eyes shut as though he were asleep. While the bubble wrap kept Moby afloat for a while, it would not be long before he took on seawater. At some point, Moby would sink. The crew stared at him for a time, then having done all they could do, turned the boats around and set sail back up the river for Vicksburg. The drone, now on low power, left the scene. Benoit came down from the lighthouse and prepared to go home. Suddenly, something strange happened. Out there in the gulf, a flurry of geysers appeared sending spouts of water 30 feet into the air. The spouts were as organized and as powerful as the fountains at the Bellagio Hotel in Las Vegas. From the watery effusion appeared the beak of a dolphin, then another, and another, until there were more dolphins than you could count. The dolphins were like the Swiss guard that protects His Holiness, the Pope. Benoit grabbed his camera and began shooting again. The fountains lasted another minute, and then 
stopped. And just as mysteriously as they had arrived, the dolphins disappeared. The little guys were the first to go, then the rest. And Moby, so beautiful in life, slid into the sea, just like that. Poof. Although Benoit and Treasure were too young to articulate their feelings, Moby's death was, in every way, a crucible. It seems like this when we are reminded there's a level of reality out there that we don't know and don't understand. Up and down the highways of Mississippi are billboards sponsored by Vicksburg Marine Park and Game Farm. There are billboards to thank you for visiting. And billboards that promise you a good time, should you visit. And all the billboards have one thing in common. Moby. On every billboard, he does lovable, unwhale-like things. He sails in the America's Cup. Sometimes he skydives or drinks a margarita. Sometimes he's portrayed as a cosmopolitan, a lover of the arts, and has a subscription to Amazon Prime. Other times, he's a humble country music star patriot. And seen picking up trash along a beach, he's portrayed as an environmentalist. Obviously, the way the ad agency sees it, there are hundreds of nuanced components to Moby's multifaceted personality and an endless ways in which he or she can be portrayed, each more upbeat than the last. Going home, the first billboard Treasure and Benoit saw featured Moby with firecrackers stuffed in his beak. The headline read, Discount fireworks at Vicksburg Marine Park and Game Farms, only 70 miles. The second billboard featured a feminine Moby swaddled in a luxurious bath towel wearing a wig, lipstick, and mascara. The headline read, Towels by the Pound, Vicksburg Marine Park and Game Farms, only 60 miles. Just past the Waffle House outside Macomb, Benoit and Treasure saw three billboard installers at work on a sign that had been part of the Vicksburg Marine Park publicity campaign since who knows when. The installers, dressed in white, had removed the original acrylic panels of Moby. They had been replaced by images of an affordably priced condominium monstrosity called the Montauk, value-priced luxury condos. Move in soon. Benoit stopped the truck to get a better look. He turned off the engine and came around the passenger side. Like Huck Finn, he picked up a blade of grass and stuck it between his incisors and squinted at the billboard. Treasure opened the passenger door and turned 90 degrees, her legs drawn up to her chest, her chin resting on her knees. Looking at the billboard, Benoit brushed his bangs to the side and softly said, The Montauk. A few days after Moby's funeral, Benoit stopped at Jubilee Gaspar to refill his truck. 
when the tank was full of gas, he went to check the oil. Looking inside the car, he couldn't remember which lever released the hood. Was it the one directly beneath the steering wheel, or the one to the far left? Benoit hopped into the driver's seat and reached into the glove compartment to find the owner's manual. Obviously, the answer would be there. The glove compartment was filled with junk, including a 6 by 9 inch manila envelope. Benoit ripped it open. Inside was a pearl necklace. He slipped the pearls around his neck and looked in the rearview mirror. The necklace was the sort of thing Harry Styles would wear? Yes, that Harry Styles. When Treasure came home from Dainty Bubble the next day, her mother Annabelle was in the kitchen making butterscotch pudding. Sitting at the table, her crutches leaning against the wall, Annabelle pointed to a cheerful red and white bandana sitting on the counter. Look what I found in the mailbox, said Annabelle. Treasure picked up the bandana and inhaled. Bayram? You've been listening to The Whale on Pod Planet, starring Dwayne Murray. Recorded by Eric Solarski at ETM Limited. Pod Planet theme is by Jonathan Goldsmith. Pod Planet announcer, Jean Francois. Music, courtesy of FMA. Pod Planet is written and produced by me, Clive Desmond. Like, share, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. And coming soon, The Possum Harding Adventures, a new young adult fiction series set in Orlando in 1977. The Possum Harding Adventures, new from the Pod Planet Multiverse. Until next time, be seeing you. Thank you.